Welcome to the Athens First United Methodist Church Sermons Podcast. I'm Kayla Thomason, a member of the communications team. We hope you enjoy this weekly resource. Well, good morning, Athens First United Methodist Church. It is so good to be with you on this beautiful final Sunday of the month of August. And whether it's your first time in worship with us, your first time in a long time, or maybe you've been here for a long, long time, I want you to know how grateful I am that you are with us this morning. Worship would not be the same without you this morning. Today, I want us to uh, look at one of the Apostle Paul's letters. It's often referred to as the Epistle of Joy. This was a congregation that Paul loved writing to. This is a congregation that held a special place in his heart. And so this morning, we turn to the third chapter of the letter to the Philippian church and read Paul's words to this congregation. I'll be starting with verse 7. Hear now the word of God. Yet whatever gains I had, these I have come to regard as lost because of Christ. More than that, I regard everything as lost because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things, and I regard them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but one that comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. For I want to know Christ in the power of his resurrection, in the sharing of his sufferings, by becoming like him in his death, if somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this, or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Beloved, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but this one thing I do. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward, what lies ahead. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So if you have ever read any of the Apostle Paul's letters before, uh, then you may have noticed that one of his favorite metaphors for the Christian faith is that of running a race. Six different times in his epistles, uh, he tells his churches that being a disciple of Jesus is like standing on the starting line, hearing the gun go off, and then sprinting towards the finish line as fast as you can. Six different times, Paul says that is exactly what the Christian faith is like. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about the Christian faith in those terms before, uh, but if you're a runner, I would imagine that this metaphor that Paul uses, at the very least, makes some kind of sense to you, uh, because to run a race of any length, whether it's a 5K or a full marathon, requires a tremendous amount of training. 
Meaning that you, you can't just show up on race day after having been a couch potato for the past six months and think that somehow you're going to do really well in this race. You may even win just by trying really hard. Now, no, in order to win a race, it takes discipline. In order to run a race, it takes a lot of hard work. And so if you're a runner, I would imagine that you can appreciate this connection that the Apostle Paul is trying to make, that you can appreciate some of the similarities that he's making between the two. Personally, though, I am not a big fan of this metaphor, and that's simply because I hate running. <laughs> that's not to say that I don't do it. I do, probably not as much as I should, but I do try to get out there and pound the pavement every now and then but I despise every second of it. I don't know if I'm doing it wrong, but I have never experienced what runners have called a runner's high. A runner's low, I'm very familiar with that one. Uh, but a runner's high, I've never, I've never known such a thing. In fact, I remember a couple years ago, I had a, I had a former church member who told me about a race that she ran out in San Francisco it was called the Worth the Hurt Double Marathon. If you didn't catch that, that's not one full marathon. That's two full marathons back to back. That is 52.4 miles run consecutively. And so when I heard that this race was called Worth the Hurt, all I could think was, no, it's not. No, it's, it's really not. Now, although I am not technically a, a runner, it is not a sport that I have ever enjoyed doing, I can appreciate the fact that this is a metaphor that the Apostle Paul likes to use. Because essentially what he's saying to us in the third chapter of his letter to the Philippian church is this. To be a Christian is to be a runner in the race of faith. And in that race, the finish line is heaven. That's the ultimate goal. And so therefore, it is our job to give it everything we've got, to run with everything we have, so that we might win the prize that, as Paul says, that God has called us heavenward in Christ Jesus. In other words, it is our job as Christians to run to the end with everything we got. We can't slow down halfway through. We can't stop to jog or lollygag. No, Paul is saying, I want you to finish the race strong. I want you to give it everything you've got. But then in verse 13, Paul does something that's kind of interesting because it's almost as if Paul puts on his coaching hat and he says, would you like some running advice? Can, can I give you a racing strategy that has worked for me when it comes to running this race we call faith? He said, this is my advice. This one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining for what is ahead, I press on towards the goal. Now, I would imagine that there are some of you here this morning who think, that's not terribly profound advice, Paul. 
you know, to think that he's trying to teach us about how to run the best race possible. And he says, uh, forget what's behind and like move towards the goal that's ahead of us. Isn't that a little obvious? <laughs> but just think about what the Apostle Paul is saying to us. He's saying that when it comes to running this race called faith, the most important thing that you and I can have is not just perseverance. It's not just endurance. It's not stamina or good form. It's not good discipline. No, according to the Apostle Paul, the most important thing that we can have is focus. And so the question we have to ask ourselves is, are we focused on what's ahead of us or are we distracted by what's behind us? Now, even as a non-runner, I can tell you that this is good advice. Because I have, I have seen in my life where this has been important. For instance, a couple years ago, I was, I was heading down to Atlanta to do a hospital visit. So I'm driving down I-85 uh, right near the Sugarloaf Mills Mall in the Duluth area. I'm driving down, we're going at a good clip, when all of a sudden everything came to a halt because over on the right-hand side of the highway, there was a tractor trailer that was just pluming smoke from its exhaust pipes. Now, I don't know what was wrong with, with the truck, but this guy just was barreling ahead and it was causing all kinds of problems for the people behind it because all six lanes of traffic heading south were completely just enveloped by this plume of smoke and we couldn't see anything. So we're traveling along and, and, and uh, cars have kind of slowed down. Nobody can really see anything. What was fascinating about this truck was the fact that although he knew that he was pluming smoke out from the back of his truck, he wasn't slowing down. <laughs> he just kept going over there in the right-hand lane, causing all kinds of problems for everybody else, and he, we just had to deal with it. So finally, after a couple minutes, I finally made my way around the truck. I finally made it ahead of him, and I was scot-free, except I was kind of curious as to what was going to happen with this truck. I found myself watching him in my rearview mirror as I was driving forward because not only is this not the kind of thing you see every day, um, this truck driver was being an idiot. And so I wanted to see how long he would keep being uh, an idiot. So I'm driving along and we're, I'm watching him out of my rearview mirror. And after about 10 minutes, this truck finally gets off one of the exits. He finally pulls over and the problem is solved. Now, I like to think that the reason this truck pulled over is because he could feel the intensity of my disapproving glare coming through the rearview mirror. He just knew that there was a pastor ahead of him who was not okay with what he was doing. So he finally pulled over, and I'm feeling good about it. You know, I might have even been feeling a little smug as he made his way off of the highway. But all of the joy, all of the relief, all of the smugness that I felt immediately evaporated when I realized that I had missed my exit five miles earlier. 
I was so fixated on what this guy was doing behind me that I just kept watching him in my rearview mirror. Little did I know that I was supposed to be looking where I was going as I watched out my, my windshield. The Apostle Paul said, you know, sometimes that can happen in faith. <laughs> you know, sometimes we can become so fixated on the things that are behind us that we forget to see what God is calling us to ahead of us. Sometimes we can get so caught up with our past that we fail to see where God is calling us to go in our future. Because the fact of the matter is, all of us have those things in our past that can trip us up. We, we all have those kinds of skeletons in our closet, whether we would admit it to one another this morning or not. We all have that stuff that kind of just grabs onto you. It's the kind of stuff that just, it will haunt you all the days of your life. It will keep coming up. We will keep fixating on it and sometimes even be debilitated by it if we let it. It, it can be everything from past failures to past mistakes, past sins, past struggles, past addictions, past relationships, past disappointments, past bad decisions. There are so many things that will, that will grab onto us from our past. There are so many skeletons in our closet that will haunt us forever, force us to focus on what's behind us rather than to look ahead and to see where God's calling us to go. That is something that all of us can be prone to in life. And so it is, the Apostle Paul says, that's why I want to remind you of this really important thing. Don't forget, he says, you are in a race. And in a race, the most important thing is not what's behind you, it is only what's in front of you. And what's in front of you is the finish line, and it is your job to get there as quick as you can, to run as hard as you can, to do it with faith. And so here's my advice. You want to do that? Here's my advice. He says, forgetting what is behind and straining for what is ahead. Press towards the mark that God is calling us heavenward in Christ Jesus. In other words, you can't begin the next chapter of your life that God wants to write for you if you just keep on rereading the last one. And so if you, if you want to move forward, Paul says, the most important thing you can do when it comes to your past, to all of the things that you fixate on, you obsess over, all of those things that you can't help but think about when you lie down at night and you close your eyes. He said, when it comes to your past, the most important thing you can do is learn how to let it go. Whatever it is that's holding you back, that's weighing you down, that's keeping you from going to that place that God is calling you to go, he says, you have got to learn how to let it go. Because that is the only way you can ever win the race.
Paul says, you want to make your way towards the future? It starts by letting go of your past. And if I had to guess why the Apostle Paul was so adamant about this, I think it's because that's exactly what he had to do. Because you see, long before the Apostle Paul ever became a Christian, long before he was ever a pastor or a missionary, no, he was in so many ways a murderer. He was literally the ringleader for the Christian persecution from Jerusalem all the way to Damascus. To say it another way, the Apostle Paul had a very tainted past. And so when God came along and he called him to this radically new life, the question that the Apostle Paul had to ask himself was this. Am I going to allow all of the skeletons in my closet to prevent me from becoming the person that God is calling me to be? Or am I going to trust that God's amazing grace can save even a wretch like me? in order to trust God with his future. Paul first had to entrust God with his past. In other words, what Paul did is he he forgot what was behind and he strained for what was ahead and he pressed towards the mark. He learned how to let it go. He learned how to leave his past in the past. And that is one of the most important things that you and I will ever learn how to do. I think Paul believed that. I know I believe that. That is something that is absolutely true. It is one of the most important things that we can ever learn. And that's because according to Scripture, that's exactly what God does when it comes to our past. I mean, I hope you know that when it comes to God's forgiveness, He doesn't just like file it away for another day. And then from time to time, he'll pull out our big files and go through them. He doesn't say, now, Jeremy, I'm just going through the files, looking at all the stuff I've forgiven you of over the past. Look at this. Wow. Spring break 2001. Mm. That was an interesting period. Just think about all that I forgave you of back then. I really hope that you are so grateful for my mercy, grace, and forgiveness. God doesn't do that. No, what does Psalm 103 say? As far as the east is from the west, so far has God removed our transgressions from us. Or in Isaiah chapter 1, though your sins are as scarlet, they will be made white as snow. Though though they are as red as crimson, they will be made like wool. In other words, When it comes to our past, God leaves it in the past. It is through His grace and His mercy that He wipes our slate clean and He clears our ledgers. God learns how to let our past go because He is calling us into a future that is defined by grace. Now, back when I was in college, Uh, there was a book that was very formative for me, uh, both in in terms of my faith, but also in terms of my understanding of grace. Uh, It was a book called The Ragamuffin Gospel. It was written by 
an author named Brennan Manning. And Brennan Manning, if you're not familiar, this was a, a person who was a best-selling author. He was, uh, he was a renowned speaker all over the globe. He was a Roman Catholic priest, and he was also a raging alcoholic. Of course, nobody knew that. He said, I was one of those uh, high-functioning alcoholics until I wasn't. And my life came crashing down. I was forced to leave the priesthood, he said, and to say that my life and my faith were left in shambles would be an understatement. He said, I wrestled for years with the guilt that I felt from my past. To think that I had been such an imposter, that I, that I, I, was, I was out there living for God, but behind closed doors, oh, if those people only knew. He said, I struggled so mightily with, with the idea, can God forgive a ragamuffin like me? He said, it took years for me to finally come around, to finally have that encounter, he said, where one night I finally came face to face with the unrelenting, inconceivable grace of God. And it was there that I realized that not only did God love me just as I am, but that there wasn't anything in my past that he couldn't redeem. Not even for a scoundrel like me, he said. And so it is that because of this, this experience that he had with God's grace, because of the awareness that he came to of God's great love and forgiveness for us, he said, whenever I would go around the country and I would speak, he said, one of my favorite stories to tell was about a woman who lived in Virginia. She was a Roman Catholic woman, very faithful, went to church every Sunday. And it, over the course of time, uh, there were rumors going around that this woman was having these miraculous visions of Jesus. She said she would go to bed at night and all of a sudden there would be Jesus right there in her room and, and she could literally talk to them. They would have conversations. It was incredible. Well, word about these visions made their rounds. In fact, they even made it all the way to the office of the archbishop, and he decided to call her because he wanted to find out what this was all about. He wanted to find out if she was making it up. So she, he called her up one evening, and he asked her about the visions. He said, is it true that you're really having these miraculous visions of Jesus? She said, yeah. He said, okay, well, here's what I want you to do. The next time that you have one of these visions of Jesus, I want you to ask him, what sins did I confess in my last confession? I want you to ask him a question that only he would know. He said, can you do that for me? She said, let me get this straight. You want me to ask Jesus what sins you confessed at your last confession? He said, yep. And if you can tell me what they are, I'll know that these visions are true. So she said, okay. A couple weeks later, the archbishop got a phone call. It was the woman. She said, you better come over. And so he went over, and, and he asked her the question. He said, have you had another one of these visions? And she said, I have, I have. He said, did you ask Jesus the question? She said, I asked him exactly what you said. What sins has the archbishop 
confessed in his last confession. And with the utmost curiosity, the archbishop leaned forward and he said to the woman, well, what did he say? And she peered into his eyes and she took his hands and she said, Bishop, these were his exact words. I can't remember. As far as the east is from the west, so far has God removed our transgressions from us. Paul understood that. Paul knew that that God doesn't hold our past against us, and therefore, neither should we. And so he said, here's my advice. Forgetting what is behind and straining forward to what is ahead, I want you to press towards the mark. Because in running and in faith, that is the only way that we will win the race. Let us pray. Oh God, how grateful we are for this, your holy word. We thank you for your words of love and grace and forgiveness. God, when we think about our past, when we think of all of the many skeletons that we harbor in our closets, God, sometimes it is overwhelming to think about. But God, your amazing grace covers it all. And for that we are grateful that you would forgive us of all of our past transgressions. God, we give you our thanks. So as we go from this place as redeemed and forgiven people of God, may we do so with gratitude. May we do so with a redeemed sense of where you're calling us to go in the future. And God, may, may we not look back, but only look forward so that we can press towards the mark. It is in Jesus' mighty name that we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. To listen to more sermons, read past devotions, or look up opportunities on how to connect, visit us at AthensFirstUMC.org. Stay in touch with us throughout the week by following us on Instagram or Facebook at AthensFirstUMC.org.